Welcome into another best of episode for the Guys Girl Show. Earlier in the week, you might have listened to the, our best interviews from this past season. But this show, we're going to get into some of the, the nitty gritty topics that we've talked about all season long, both on the Guys Girl Show and on Helmets and Heels. And so kicking off for today's show, we're going to get into mean tweets. You saw that viral, you might have seen that viral video earlier in the year about the way that women in sports are, are, are treated on social media. So we get into a, a debate on that. We also get into a debate, a very passionate debate on Ryan Lochte, his Olympic mess and how the media just screwed up that entire coverage of that story. I think I was the one of the few people that was on Ryan and Lochte's side in that case. Then we're going to get into, if your significant other is kicked out of a game, do you follow them? Also on the show, we have NFL's poor handling of the Josh Brown domestic violence case. The NFL is increasingly getting involved in domestic violence cases where they, they should really let the law play it out. So we also debate on that. And then after the midway point of the show, we ask if morality should play a role in head coaching hires. I think most of you guys know that I'm a big Louisville fan, obviously, in in comparison to, or not comparison, but that comes along with that is I'm a big Bobby Petrino fan and I actually defend his, his right to have a coaching job. So that's a that that's that's probably our most passioned debate all season all year long and then I get into Jaguars selling opposing team merchandise inside the stadium. Are there certain rules for away fans that, that should be followed? So we, we lump all those together and, uh, we're, we're going to give you the best of the guys, girls show and helmets and heels all wrapped up into one. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. I hope you guys have an awesome new year. Anytime you need something from me, you want to check out any of my work, hit up guysgirl.com and I hope you guys enjoyed the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Bye. it on at helmets and heels how do you handle annoying people online live tell them their options of how they can handle them you can either block them or you can mute them or you can ghost them which means ignore them or you can challenge their opinion and how do you handle it Uh, (laughs) it depends on the situation i don't necessarily like to block people because i feel like they know that they're blocked and then they know that they got under your skin enough to block them right so i just mute them but even the mute button is doesn't work as well as i thought it would because i've muted people and they still show up in my mentions really yeah and it annoys that hasn't happened to me because i typically give people the benefit of the doubt three strikes not well i guess three um, yeah, three or depending on what you say. So I don't get a lot of mean tweets, which I'm very thankful for, but I've got a couple that are just annoying and they're probably meant to be mean, but they're more of like a nice mean. Mm-hmm. So, and when they come from the same people, that's when I'm like, all right, dude, bye. Like, I don't have time to, for you to come up on my feed. <laughs> if it's like multiple people that I don't even know, or it's one person here, one person there, then whatever, I let it go. But I think I've only done it. A handful of times and i mute i don't block i just mute yeah i've never blocked anyone the mute i actually have never done to someone that's annoying i do it more if you tweet too much if you're someone who's uh, like literally yeah. constantly tweeting i only have twitter for sports i do not right. follow news accounts i don't follow honestly i don't even follow like a lot of friends i literally have mm-hmm. and i have probably the least amount of people that I follow the of anyone that I know. Frank and I actually are very similar when it comes to Twitter. Yeah. I follow 
232 people. Wow. And I'll look at other people and oh, they wow. follow like almost a thousand people. And I'm like, how yeah. can you keep up with that on a daily basis? I don't want, I literally only want to see things and I want to make sure that it's stuff that I want to read. Mm-hmm. And if I find that somebody's retweeting stuff too much, like a lot of times players, I'll follow them and then they retweet everything that someone everything. says about them. Yeah. I can't handle you that. You can turn retweets off, which well, I found yeah, out. And it's I'm gonna, amazing. I'm going to blow your mind, thing. Lauren, because what I do is follow people even some like that aren't sports related and i have a list that's just sports so the majority of the time i'm on twitter i'm looking at my sports list and i have like a thousand people in my list from national writers to athletes to whoever that's involved in sports yeah so it's separate but and and i that would blow my mind if i was interested in something else other than sports right but because I'm not, well, I'm saying you're allowed to follow whoever you want, and then just create a list. Yeah, for yeah. but I don't filter your people. I, literally, yeah. Twitter to me is a professional environment. I, right. If people use cuss words too much, I I can't stand it. I I literally want to follow news, make sure that I'm aware, make sure that I can find it pretty quickly too, because I don't like to be on it on times that I'm away from work. So I literally want to be able to be able to kind of do a quick scan, and especially working at a college, obviously there's a lot of tweets that come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, promoting UNF as well. So I want to be able to scan stuff and I, I don't want to have like clutter, but that's how I am in general too. I don't like, I don't, I'm a minimalist and I don't like a lot of stuff. Like in my purse right now, there's literally like a sunglasses case, a wallet and some lip gloss and that's it. So that's just how I am. But I also understand that I'll see people retweet things that I will never would have found. Mm-hmm. Like during the draft, this Laramie Tunsil video, I never would have found that. Right. And somebody else following more people would have found that. And I get that. I guess I'm just not in the in the profession to where I need to be able to monitor everything, which is kind of nice, too. That is nice. I have a bunch of lists and I follow close to a thousand people. And I, I, I try to get the follow count down. But when I go through it, I'm like, oh, I can't unfollow that person. I can't unfollow that <laughs> yeah. person. So that's when the lists just come in handy and you can just add different people to different lists. Like I have a, a, a women's sports blog list. I have um, sports athletes list and I have an entertainment list and then I have just all encompassing lists. So it's just it's it's a bunch of lists. Organization is my thing. And I think it depends on how much time you have to be able to spend that on it too. as well. Yeah. When we are, I'm a, I'm on Twitter a lot more now than I am when we when our sports are in seasons, like a lot of the main sports. I literally wouldn't have time. I don't even have five minutes some days in a 14-hour day to be able to check it. So I have to be able to kind of take myself back. And now it's much more fun to kind of, now that things have slowed down, we're entering into summer, I can really like read it and, and read more articles than I ever would have. I read an article um, the other day from, I forget where it was, maybe ESPN or SI, that was all from the high school coach of Laramie Tunsil's perspective and how he's reached out to Laramie Tunsil several times. And he's a very close male figure in Laramie Tunsil's life. And at that time, this was over the weekend, I think Saturday, um, Laramie hadn't reached back out to him mm-hmm. yet. And so it was kind of breaking the heart, obviously, of the high school coach. Why but- would you give him a few days if he's that close with them? Well, he was giving him a few days, and maybe I read the... Actually, I'm sure I read this Monday. I probably wouldn't have read it over the weekend. So I think it had been since Thursday night that he had tried to reach out. And, you know, of course, when you're a media person and you have to write a lot of stories, you're going to reach out to Laramie Tunsil's Mm -hmm. high school coach and see what you can dig up. And 
I guess Laramie's dad wasn't really in his life. Um, and I can't remember why now, but this guy was very influential. And Laramie had, you know, like I said, yet to reach back out to him. And he's like, all I want to tell him is you've got to make smart decisions. I'm still here for you. But he's like, I really want to give him the tough love and not just tell him what he needs to hear right now, which is, oh, this is somebody else's fault. Right. But all that is a, an aside story um, to get back to the whole tweets and the mean tweets. So. ESPN filmed Sarah Spain and Julie DeCarmo and had random men off the street come in and read tweets that these women have received on their official Twitter accounts that random people have sent into them. And it's to me, one of the most disgusting videos I've probably ever watched. It's very excruciating to watch. It was, it was awful. And I think it was more awful because the women knew what had been tweeted into them and they knew what the guys were about to read, but the guys had no idea. And I felt awful for these guys who have not done or said any of this to these women and don't feel like this. And I can't imagine the flip side of a guy asking me to read something like this to him. And I had no idea and calling him all these awful names. And so if you haven't watched the video, I highly recommend watching it. It's extremely uncomfortable. The, some of the things that were said, like Julie DeCarmo had written a piece where she told a very personal story about being raped and someone wrote in, I hope you get raped again. Mm -hmm. And then they, of course, use certain terms that I would never use to any woman. Um, and it just it literally I was crying when I was watching it. I was very deflated. So I wanted I want to know about y'all. I knew we saved this for this week and I really want to hear how it made y'all feel. For me, it wasn't new that this stuff goes on. It personally has never happened to me on that scale, but obviously these women are so much more successful than I am. They have, you know, thousands and thousands of more followers, which leads to, you know, more and more hate. Um, but my feeling for years really was, well, why don't they just mute them or why don't they just block them? Like it's, you know, just block and move on and, or only turn on notifications from people that you follow. And I was like, that's, that's a simple solution to, to get around that problem. Then I started thinking and I read this other article and it's like women shouldn't have to ignore this kind of behavior. This 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 shouldn't be part of the job right. to be insulted on that level just for merely doing your job. You're not provoking this. And this it sort of stems back to, you know, the, the rooted cause of, you know, victim blaming. And, well, what did you know, if someone gets raped, well, was she asking for it or what was she wearing or something like that? So it sort of comes back to victim blaming and it, it really I think the the worst and the best part of it is that it took the men's reaction to reading these tweets in order for mo or a mass of people in order to feel sympathy for what these women have been talking about for years mm -hmm. that they go through this kind of I mean this is a daily thing that they get stuff like this said to them. So it's just it's it's disheartening but hopefully the good that comes out of it is that more people put a face to a name with some of this stuff and that they put more actions in or precautions in place that will prevent this in the future. Because I definitely think that there's steps that Twitter and other social networks can take to prevent this, but I just don't know that they're ever going to implement it. It's easier to type something out than it is to say something verbally. So if I need to say something to you, Laura, and it might be easier for me to text you, or if I need to get a hold of our GM, I'll just send him an email or send him a text instead of walking over to his office and talking with him just because it's more convenient. Because of that, it's in our minds that if, if we just type something out, a lot of people don't 
they don't think it has the same impact as if you said it to their face. So this video proves that words, whether written or spoken, have the same effect. Sometimes it's even worse when it's written because you can read it over and over again and it sticks with you. You can go back and you can read it. Um, you can delete it if you want, but if not, it, it lives there. Whereas when someone says something verbally, it can go one in one ear and out the other, um, but it's said and then and then the words disappear. So it was needed to visualize how words affect people. And I'm someone I'm I'm a writer and I'm really good at communicating. So words mean a lot to me, whether you're lifting me up and building my confidence or you're bringing me down, both affect me in a major way. So watching this video, I was picturing myself sitting there and I would have it would have stirred up more emotions, even though those guys didn't mean what they were saying to me. They were just reading these mean tweets. So it's one of those things where a lot of times it's just Internet trolls that don't care and they would never even say that to your face. But there's no excuse, no excuse at all. And I agree with what you said, Blythe, but I don't know that we can find a way to stop this because there's always that mentality for a, a chunk of men that think women don't belong in mm -hmm. sports. Yes, we're we're moving forward. And there are more and more women in sports and more successful women. But there still are those men that don't think that they women don't like will, change. Yeah, they just don't and like to it. see them and to hear them more often now right. is is a threat to their own being. And and I, I said this on the Manzi and Miller show. It's, it's like asking people, irrational people to be rational. And it just doesn't happen. And then you give them this platform that they can reach whoever they mm -hmm. want and say whatever they want. And there's no repercussions, right? Unless it's a situation where I think it, it's, this is a bad example right now, but Kurt Schilling and his daughter, when his daughter got accepted into college, she got a bunch of hateful messages. Kurt Schilling found out about a few of the guys that were sending these messages and got the identity of one of them. One of them was a baseball player who's wow. a pitcher on the on the the team that the girl was that his daughter was going to and he sent that tweet to the university and he was kicked off the baseball team wow so i think little things like that need to start happening in more of a mass appeal in order to sort of maybe scare some of these guys from doing it but twitter i i, I think that they can absolutely do more because right now all it takes is that if they get blocked then they just delete their account and start a new one but there i mean you can block people by ip addresses you can identify someone by an ip address and that's Every single computer in the country has an IP address and you could you could solve a lot of these problems by simply doing taking that measure and blocking these eggs from being able to reach out to people and, and cause so much emotional damage. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Take it a step farther. If you had to sign on to your Twitter account using your thumbprint, if your thumbprint was now linked to everything that you ever did on all social media accounts, not just Twitter, because it's not just Twitter that mm -hmm. has these issues, but then, oh my gosh, all of a sudden now you can't delete your Twitter once you are reported as being someone who harasses people. Never again can you have that social media. And obviously I'm not advocating for for the companies to undergo this massive amount of um, expenditure in order to get to that point. But I do think at some point people need to be more aware of what they're putting on social media because of what they can get back on it. And so if you are starting to get a lot of negative stuff on on let's say it's Twitter, Instagram, even Snap, well Snapchat, I guess people can't really write back Facebook. If if that's the case and you're not someone who needs a national platform for it, you can make it private and if you lose mm -hmm. 
followers or if your followers go down, I don't care. You shouldn't care. You should feel more protected. You should be able to want to take those precautions to get to a point where you're not getting this. Right. Someone like Sarah Spain and Julie DeCarmo or someone like Aaron Andrews or someone like Samantha Ponder, they can't really do that in the world of Twitter specifically. They could with when it comes to all the other ones. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Twitter, that's that's something that they're using for their profession. And there are certainly more steps that need to be taken in order to protect people. We have all these different procedures in place where if someone gets on a plane and says something about a bomb, all of a sudden everything stops. If someone is in the workforce and their boss or their coworker, whether it's a guy or a girl, gets sexually harassed, we have all different protocol in place in order to protect that person. So why is it that on social media now it's it's something that we're not protecting the person. We should be able to be, somehow track these people, whether it's a location, whether it's a thumbprint, whether it's an IP address, to be able to somehow get back and say, this is not allowed. You are now going to face the consequences that come with, with whether you had done this in someone's face, whether you had done it on the phone, what have you. That's just how I feel personally. You could also, and, and I was thinking about this earlier, I'm like, how else could Twitter do this? An IP address, I would think, would be the simplest thing. But then they could also set up a parameter where y- you have certain settings on your account where you can only get notifications from people that you follow what if they put into place uh, a a set of parameters where you only get notifications from verified accounts and i think that that in order to be verified you would have to verify you know your your uh, a photo your name and an address of where you live something that identifies Mm -hmm. you in case something like this happens in the future where you're sending threatening messages somebody knows where to go to get to the root of that problem and i think that that could be because one of the, the best things about Twitter is that you can meet new people and you can meet similar people with your similar views and you can interact with, with fans and readers. And that's the best thing about Twitter. So I think that that's why a lot of people don't turn their accounts into private mode or they don't, you know, turn on notifications for only people that they follow because they like the fan interaction. And we like doing it, too, especially with with this show and this platform. But I think that there are certain things that Twitter can can as a company and in order to see their network go into a, a a better, safer level in that Facebook realm of things where you don't just have a bunch of unidentified people just making these random comments and, and, and insulting and harassing and, and, and doing illegal things through a platform that's meant to not do those things. And what do you think? Um, we're going to go to break here right now, but what do you think? Don't you think about during the break? What if you had to pay for these social media accounts? Would that change the way you view them? And would it change maybe the way that other people interact with them? We will come up with our answers for that as well as some interesting comments from Eli Apple's mom, a recent draftee out of Ohio State. You are listening to Helmets and Heels built by Dreamfinders Homes on Tenton on 2.5 FM. So him and a few swimmers, if you don't know the story, where have you been? But he was living, he was partying with some friends. They went to a gas station. They never went, Ryan Lochte never went inside. And so there are certain facts that are about the story that, that no one else is sort of talking about. And so I really liked the fact that Clay Travis took it, it, took that initial step to talk about the facts of the story, that nothing was damaged except for an already partially damaged sign. Um, there was a gun that was drawn on him. There was money exchanged. He was drinking. He did make some poor decisions, but I don't think that he's done anything wrong to resort to him losing all of his sponsorships within the past 24 hours. And he's sort of been crucified ever since this happened last week. And so I really appreciated, you know, certain media members that, that take it upon themselves that, that don't 
sort of, you know, add fuel to the fire and instead look for the facts of the situation. And I think he was one of the first and the only ones that have sort of reported the truth since then. USA Today, I think, came out with a piece yesterday that sort of corroborated the same thing. You know, NBC, TMZ, all of these other media outlets went to that gas station to see if there was any damage done and they couldn't find anything. So it's just little facts like that that haven't been released because it doesn't cause, you know, sort of the, the social media outrage that everybody has already, you know, heard over the past week. I will say, I think if he was a more articulate athlete, I think a lot of this would have been, that's the nicest way I can say it. I think a lot of this would have been put to bed and I think the sponsorships would not have um, been removed from him. But I think that his persona prior to this is also what kind of got him into hot water. It's a, I think it's a combination. I don't think they're just looking at this one incident, but it, I mean, unfortunately for those sponsors, this was very negative in almost every way, shape or form. Yes. There are certain places that may be kind of making sure that they have all the truth, but that's not most places. And so the average American, when they wake up that day after the story is broken, they hear, Lochte's lying. Lochte got to go home. And that's all Lochte's heard. with his He's girlfriend. Lied. Exactly. And so I think that makes sense as to why the sponsors had to pull out in addition to some of the um, other background issues that have been in well, Lochte's it, past. It, it, I, don't, I don't know that you can lose sponsorships because you're an idiot. I, I think oh, you absolutely can. Yeah, can. I don't know that you should because Being an idiot leads to idiotic decisions. Well, well, so what about Michael Phelps? What about Draymond Green? What about all these other athletes that have had, you know, circumstances in the past that should have caused them to lose sponsorships? I think the real reason is these sponsors saw a way out. He's 32 years old and they don't want to spend any more money on him. And he's not he's probably not going to be in any more Olympics. But neither according to what Phelps is saying, neither is Phelps. But because currently in this most recent Olympics, he's done nothing wrong. Now he's, he's a father of a young child and his wife's there. And so there's this positive momentum. Sponsors get to do whatever they want. They and if, if you give them, season. right. If yeah. you give them a reason, it's their money. They get, right. but it's they get to make reason. those decisions. He was in another, to them it is. he was wasted is, yeah. in, in a country that has had its own sort of, issues, whether it's the body parts, whether it's the Zika, whether it's the bad water, whether it's the green water in the pool, he's already, you know, the country's but, already at a, at a standstill when it comes to public relations. But at the same point, like this is still a situation where four American, four American swimmers had guns drawn on them. They demanded money from them. And a, another swimmer was pulled off of a plane and they extorted $11,000 from him just so he could get home. Like this is not, it, I, I don't think that Ryan Lochte and these swimmers, I think they made a bad decision, but I don't think that they're bad guys and that they've, it, the, the treatment of them has been justified over the past week. The real criminals in this are those, you know, rent-a-cops that pulled guns on them and demanded money in another language. In any, in, in any other place in the world, that is a robbery. So he was correct in the fact that he thought that he was getting robbed. And so that's where all of this stems from. I don't care if he you know, embellished a story a little bit because he was drunk and because a gun was pointed at him and he didn't specify the correct body part that it was pointed at him. He still deserved to, to have sort of his – he doesn't deserve to get treated like this. I don't care if he is an idiot. I don't care if, if he made a bad decision. I don't think that all of this – that has culminated since then makes sense. My favorite part was though in true Lochte fashion, when the whole story came out, the question was asked, so what happened when the gun was pulled on you? And his response oh was whatever. <laughs> That's what he said Honestly. to the gunman, according to him originally, whatever. Like 
here's some money. And he, I think Come he gave on. him like 400 bucks or something. And that's what you're sort of told to do whenever you go to other countries. And, and if, you know, if, if you're caught on, on the beach, you know, having a drink, or if you're holding your cell phone out and somebody tries to sit, you're, you're, you're taught to give them money because those cops can, are so easily corrupted. So I think in this, in this instance, we're so quick to blame these American swimmers who just won gold medals for us instead of a corrupt police department in another country. And I certainly understand that part. And by the way, Amanda, you don't get a dud because... Yeah, I mean, we already has. talked about my dud, so I guess I don't even need to talk about it. Your dud was lofty, so... My dud was lofty, not because he's a bad person, but because he just handled everything the wrong way and he's just a dud. Well, he's an idiot. Yeah. But I don't think that he should have all of this backlash. He's been raked over the coals for the past week. But and I think also, it's unjustified. But it's also because he stole... He stole time from all the other fantastic stories that we've heard Who in the did, Olympics. How did he steal it? He, because everyone's, covered it. everyone's been talking about Ryan Lochte instead of everything else that's been happening. And that's, that's what I fault. hate. I'm not saying it's his fault, but he is my dud, partly because of that reason, also because he's an idiot. Then that's the media. Your dud should be the media, too. No, my dud is Ryan Lochte. Lochte slash media. Let's get to who's your stud. <laughs> okay, my stud is Brittany Wagner, who we had on Frank's show early this afternoon. If you've had a chance to watch Last Chance You on Netflix. Um, it's fantastic. So if you haven't watched it, I really, really encourage you to do so. You can get a month free. That's what I did. A month free on I Netflix. I remember yes. to cancel it. <laughs> and it's only six episodes, so it's super easy to binge watch or you can take your time, but it's basically a behind the scenes look at a Juco football team and it's real and it's raw and it's just fantastic. And Brittany Wagner is the athletic advisor. I hope I got her title right. It, um, it's a longer title, but you're academic slash athletic advisor. And she deals with all the players um, and all of the players who are at this Juco, East Mississippi Community College, are there because they got in trouble before, whether they failed out of school or they got in trouble with the law. So there are kids from Florida State and from all over um, who are trying to get back into football. And she has so much patience. She is so genuine and she is just so passionate about these players and she wants them to succeed and she's just fantastic. And so you'll know what I'm talking about um, if you watch the show, but she's just awesome. I loved having her on today. She was fantastic. She was great. And not that we have enough time to talk about it, but the one thing that I found very amusing, um, I don't even know what other word I would use to describe this scene, but the coach, Buddy Stevens, is talking to the players. One of my favorite things is he always says, all right, everybody touch somebody before they pray. <laughs> everybody touch somebody. I love that part. I love his accent. But yeah. the better part is when he's talking about how they'll get a $300 fine if they have girls in their dorm rooms. Right. So he says, you know what costs a lot less than that? If a bunch of you split a hotel room. <laughs> I don't have to hear about it. You have to pay less. Um... <laughs> Maybe they shouldn't have filmed that, or maybe that shouldn't have. No, that's been the that's real part of this show. This documentary is real as real gets, and that's what I loved about it. And they don't spare anything, even the language. So if you're watching, do not have any children around because it is very, very vulgar. Well, as someone who works in college athletics, uh, I would never have let that part of it on camera. But all right, so my stud. Obviously, there have been devastating floods in Louisiana. The president. President Obama got kind of harassed a little bit because he didn't leave his vacation um, up north to come down in Cape Cod to come or Martha's Vineyard to come down to Louisiana. He went down today, though. So at least that part of it's taken care of. But majority of LSU football players and coaches, as well as the Alabama basketball coach, Avery Johnson, who's from Louisiana, from New Orleans, and then also Gamecocks, the South Carolina football team, all got together. The LSU football players actually visited a bunch of the residents who are displaced. There are 60,000 homes 
that have been damaged in some way, shape or form. Some have washed away and then others have varying degrees of damage. And so all of these people got together, some went and visited, and then the other ones who are not in Louisiana raised a bunch of money and then also got supplies together and collected a truckload or a couple truckloads and sent those to Louisiana. So in times of need, you want Americans to step up and be there for each other. And I thought that they did something above and beyond what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I always want to celebrate that. All That's right. Cool. Quickly, Blythe, awesome. your dud. My dud is NBC Universal CEO Steve Burke because he blamed millennials for the low Olympic ratings. He said the Olympics, are, if the rating, he said back in June, if the Olympic ratings were down by 20%, he would blame millennials because they spent too much time on Facebook and Snapchat and woke up and realized that the Olympics were over and that they happened. But the primetime viewership between the 18 to 49 year old demographic was down 25%, but the live streaming was up 24%. And I think that that speaks more to the television market and how we've changed our viewing habits so much. People want things on demand. They want it commercial free. Um, They want their music, their TV shows, everything on demand. And I think that's where NBC sort of slipped up and they didn't have that access for regular fans in order to to watch it in in a way that they want to. So that was my, that's, that's my dad, Steve Burke. My dud is Baylor wide receiver Ishmael Zamora. Oh. I'm not going to get into specifics. Mm. All I'm going to tell you, because I did not watch the video, I refused to watch the video. He was caught on camera beating his dog, kicking his dog, his Rottweiler. And Baylor was aware of this and did nothing to him. He's now been suspended since it's come out into the public and things like that. But come on, man. Like, it's an awful video. You, yeah, that's why I refuse to watch it. Being a dog owner, I, I can't imagine. I get certainly mad. We all who have pets, Amanda included with her cat, we get frustrated hey, with our- Cats are animals too. Right. I'm saying, I'm saying, I said as a dog owner, you Whatever. have a cat. Whatever. Similar, different though. Very different personalities. <laughs> um, my dog is nine and still does bad stuff, you know, but I don't ever want to cause him harm. I want to teach him a lesson mm-hmm. in a way that he'll understand it. And I just, this frustrates me because especially haven't you heard about Michael Vick and the dog fighting and all the stuff that can come of negative publicity when you do something wrong to animals. And so he's my dud and he needs to be sentenced to a million hours of community service at pelt shelters. See, I, th- I thought it was sort of like an overreaction. You know, social media had, can always do that. But when I looked at the video, it was sort of an underreaction because it is very, very gruesome. He's beating him with a belt oh, and then I'm not going to watch, it. Not gonna watch it, that. I watched five I, seconds and that was it. It was like, nope, that's it. Yeah, so we'll see what happens um, with him. All right, on a positive note, we are now going to talk to Jaguars safety Josh Evans. We have lots of questions for him. First, we'll start with football, and then we'll get into the personal side. If y'all have any questions here live with us, certainly let us know, either one, football or personal. We get into the nitty-gritty. And uh, that will be next. Thanks for tuning in to Helmets and Heels or joining us live at the DreamFinder Stadium home right outside of Everbank Field on 1010XL92. 2.5 FM. Where's all my soul sisters? Let me hear your flow sisters. Hey sister, go sister, soul sister, flow sister. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by Dreamfinders Homes, presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I don't know that we've ever had a few last an entire hour. 
But this one, I'm telling y'all, is worth it, especially if after you hear the story, you watch the video. Please watch it. So our own Amanda Borges was at the Giants game last night. Uh, she is not part of the story, but she was there. She's out in San Francisco. But a uh, and she she was somewhere up high. She was nowhere near this. But a foul ball, what looks to be a foul ball, is hit to the left field line. But instead, it stays fair. There are Giants fans and there's they're, they're playing the Rockies yeah, or the Diamondbacks. Then, I'm sorry. And there's a few D-backs fans that are down right in that area. <laughs> the bullpen, because that's where they yeah have right the near right there. right near their bullpen. <laughs> And um, I don't understand. And the that. ball stayed fair, and the guy reaches out and a bunch of guys. It. Yes, mm-hmm. most people put their hands out, but one guy actually gets his hands out and catches it. Well, it was fair. And what happens when you catch a fair ball in baseball? You are ejected. Bye, because you're interfering with the the game while it's in play. So, the reason this story is so great is because then. This guy's, I'm going to say fiance. I thought maybe you could see significant a significant other. Yeah, significant other. I thought maybe you could see a diamond. I was probably looking too hard because <laughs> I wanted to be able to claim her as something on the show. <laughs> but we're going to call her the fiance. She realizes what he's done almost immediately. immediately, puts her head right in her hands, knows, as I have a feeling, that cameras are on them. Security guard doesn't even have to come all the way down, really. The guy realizes it. She in turn then pulls her hood of her sweatshirt <laughs> up over her face so no one can see her face. And then they retreat to the exit. So there's a couple of things going on here. One, is she just so embarrassed that this guy has done this awful thing? And the Giants fans were great, you know. Not, they actually were. Yeah, not mean at all. Just, oh man, that sucks. I'm sure he got a couple verbal abuses, but yeah. Per- perhaps. Um, but... So is she embarrassed? Why is she covering her face? Does she not want to be seen? And then there's the other added element of would you leave? And that's our Twitter poll. If your significant other has gotten ejected from the game, are you staying or are you leaving? So let's tackle issue number one. <laughs> How would you have reacted? Was she just embarrassed? I'm going to float the the theory that she was supposed to be with some other guy or she was supposed to be at work or she was supposed to be doing something else. Because I felt like she was beyond embarrassed and she literally needed to be incognito immediately. Well, maybe she's a real sports fan, a real Giants fan. So, well, she knew immediately. That's why I think she immediately. was. Yes. So I'm going to go with the happier side, I guess, <laughs> and say that, no, she was just extremely embarrassed for the person she was with and didn't want to see her like, face oh, and be associated idiot. with that one. Because those can't be her season tickets in the event that... Well, I mean, all the people around her are going to know who it is. So it's right. not like she's protecting herself from that. Right. More, it looks like she was protecting herself from the camera. Well, it was, it was I, I was reading an article earlier today that it was talking about there, there was a fan that was sitting directly behind them. And he said that before the game started, that they had all kind of joked about, oh, well, what happens if, you know, if you catch a foul ball? And this guy actually missed a, a foul ball that was hit to him earlier during BP. But he missed that one, and so they all kind of gave each other crap for that. And so when the the fair ball comes, I think just the excitement of the situation and the fact that he missed one earlier sort of got to him, and he he knew immediately, and the girl knew immediately, and she was probably just thinking, oh, you idiot. And it was only fair by, like, four feet. 
So it really wasn't like it was a, you know, an easy one to be able to tell, especially from that angle exactly. where they're sitting. And right from where they're sitting, it is hard to judge. All right. So then are you staying or are you leaving? We're going to say that again, fiance is the label I'm giving the couple. So it's not like they just started dating, but it's also not like they've already said I do. So they can still go back potentially. She's already hiding her face. <laughs> exactly. I mean, seats like that, they're, I think they're very good seats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if TJ did that, <laughs> you, you're thinking about it. <laughs> I might be like, sorry, I'll see you after the game. He's a big boy. He can handle himself. That's Yeah, you made the mistake, not me. I didn't reach for the ball. I didn't tell you to go get the ball. I That's yeah. If it, if it's that exact situation, I'd go with him. I I you know, you you come to the game with your guy, you leave with your guy. But if your guy's a moron and he's like getting drunk and starting fights with other people and gets kicked mm-hmm. out, no. I'm staying to watch the game. The sad part was, if I remember correctly, the Giants were up when this whole thing happened yep. and they ended up losing the game. So then you have that also. You're going to blame that on the guy. Like, not that he affected the game, but clearly, like, we should have been there. We should have seen it. We should have helped the right. team, you know, in spirit. Um, but the poor guy, imagine if he stayed there I mean, and they still lost. <laughs> yeah, you'd get berated. Yeah, I think I'm staying if it's if it's a fiancé based off the fact that you don't want that moment to then right. linger forever. You know, it, you, then he's going to like put in the vows like, um, are you going to love me even if I'm an idiot? To do game you, do his part. Right. right. Are you going to walk down the aisle with a hood attached to your wedding dress? Like in case I say something stupid. What if the roles are reversed? What if you get kicked out? Do you expect your significant other to come with you? Ooh. Yes, and that's probably yeah, why see? that's probably why I choose to stay. I mean to go with them is because yes, I would be mad if I'd be furious. the guy stayed. Yeah. Even like, if I started a fight. You come with me. You <laughs> So you're going the opposite of Double the standard. Yeah, double standard. That's fine. Um yeah, I think I do expect the person to come with me because again, I'm viewing this as let's say let's call it a Jags game. I'm parked downtown. I don't have a car anywhere. You know, like, there's a whole logistical issue now. Well, I'm sure you don't have to, like, do you have to, like, leave the stadium? Or can they hold you in a, you know, a makeshift? Um, They have a jail at stadiums. Right. Because my buddy got put in the Jaguars jail last year. So they could probably hold you there. A standing Oh, standing. that's the worst and one. They, but he was in the no standing section? Well, he's, like he's had the same season tickets since inaugural season. Oh. And he sits in an away team area. Oh. And the away fan, which I thought was absolutely ludicrous. But the away fans complained on him so much that they came over. Security came over, told him to sit down a couple times. He He's standing. He's cheering at the, you know, the proper moments. And they, they put him in the Jaguars jail. That's awful. Wow. Let no him go way. after the game. Those away fans should... Buy better seats then. Yeah. I wonder if no he's for away that fans. Game. I wonder if he was around. Like, was did he tell you about anyone else that was in there with Um he said it <laughs> was like severely No. <laughs> no he said like, it was really severely drunk, drunk people. people. That's what I was wondering. So it's probably like the drunk tank or something. That's exactly what I was getting at. So then it's even worse because now you can't watch the game. Like, do they have oh, the TV my the game on in there? And I remember it was the um I want to say it was the Titans game or maybe it was the Colts game the, the Colts game where we scored the fifty one points. Oh. He had to sit in there during that game. Do they at least have a TV on no, in the drunk tank? He heard about the win afterwards. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Although, I will tell you he that... He had a nice call to customer service the next day. Oh, sure. <laughs> I will tell you that if 
if I'm re-choosing my seats for this year, reselecting my seats for this year, I'm probably not going to sit in the way section. It's even if it says, even if I have to sit a little higher mm-hmm. or as not in as good of an angle of my seats, I'm still probably switching because I would never allow that to happen to me again. Well, I, I've actually sat with him in that area of the stadium. It's awful because it, all it is, it's away fans mm-hmm. and you feel like you're, right. you're not, a, you're not the home team. And it's, it's so frustrating. It's at like the 131 area. Um, but it's on the away team side and I've, I've sat there and it's, I get stressed out because it's not, you don't feel like you're cheering for your team. Right. You feel like you're, you're in a battle against the away fans. Yep. Yeah. Ugh, I don't like it. Thanks for checking out the podcast for Helmets and Heels. As a friendly reminder, you can always check out the latest on our Twitter feed at Helmets and Heels or on our website at guysgirl.com backslash Helmets and Heels. Speaking of that, what if your mom called out your boss? And this definitely happened. Many people have heard of Annie Apple, Eli Apple's mother. Eli Apple played at Ohio State, and his mom is very vocal. When it comes to the NFL situation right now with kicker Josh Brown, who has admitted to abusing his wife in multiple ways, and then the NFL didn't get rid of him and say he could never play again, which is, I think, what a lot of people said that the NFL should have done. And Eli Apple's mom comes out and writes a whole piece on Sports Illustrated basically detailing how she had been abused and and the toll that it can take. So she calls out the New York Giants owner, John Mara, and says that he doesn't know what he's talking about and he basically is, is turning his back to domestic violence and all the issues that exist. Eli Apple then asked by the media how he feels about his mom's comments. It's like, well, I wish my mom wouldn't have put me in this situation, but she also has a valid reason to say the things that she's saying. So what would you do if your mom That's different. I mean, she had every right to put that totally in there. Agree. And I, I'm proud of her for doing that. And first, that's not something easy that you can talk about. And she took the platform and she decided to do it. And it has to deal specifically with her son's team and what stand they took or lack thereof. So um, I'm fine with that. I'm not fine with the ones like Miko Grimes that calls out whatever team Brent is on and decides, yeah, my husband should do this. Yes, my husband should do that. No, I don't agree with that at all. But what Eli Apple's mom did, I, I completely appreciate. Do you think she should, she should have specifically said something about, though, the owner of the Giants that yes. the son, her son plays on a team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because it was his decision to keep Josh Brown. Yeah. And to look the other way. So, yes. I think she could have, though, said the owner of the Giants and not specifically maybe said his name. No? Unless that was, I mean, what grammatically was it correct? Is it written better if she puts the name in? Right. And she's a media member. She's a paid media member. So, therefore, she has the ability to write pieces like this. And the fact that she could put her own spin on it and her own experiences that, I mean, this is a tragic situation that's Mm -hmm. happening throughout America. I don't care if he's called out or not. He did the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And he has since brought back everything and said, you know, maybe we weren't provided all the information that we needed to make this decision. Yeah, misguided. That's what he used. Well, I think that with these instances, I especially with social media and anytime a story like this breaks, like people want justice instantly and mm-hmm. they want people fired instantly. And I think we just get into a dangerous precedent where we're not letting criminal investigations take place first. We're expecting the NFL, which is they're in, responsible for, for, you know, an entertainment product. They're not in the business of criminal investigations. So, so my, my big issue with this is, 
yes, I, I, I understand that you, you bring your own experiences into it and how you feel it should be handled. But it's very, very important that we allow our criminal justice system mm-hmm. to handle these investigations first before any kind of punishment from a league has been taken or, or, or is taken in the future. Because you run into a situation like with Duke Lacrosse, mm-hmm. where Duke Lacrosse was roasted in the media and it turned out that all of those guys were innocent Mm -hmm. and if it was if that situation happened in today's age all of those kids would be removed from the school they would be not allowed to they would lose their scholarships and so we have to sort of resist the urge to put leagues like the nfl like the nba in situations where they're going to be doing complex criminal investigations that professionals should be doing not a, a sports league the only – I agree with you 100% that you have to let the innocent be innocent until further proven guilty, right? That's the whole system that we have built our legal system on. Here's the thing, though. The NFL is fining players for the shoes that they wear. Mm-hmm. Why can they spend the time to make sure that every single player that takes the field has on correct cleats and is not wearing – Different warm-ups, pre-game and shirts, pre-game. But that, but that has to do pre-game. with on the field. On the field, you, you punish you know, an illegal hit or a uniform violation. With a particularly domestic violence, it's, it's a difficult case to, to investigate because of the fact that you, you a lot of the times you have a he said versus she, she said. And you have an instance where maybe the, the woman doesn't want to press charges. Maybe it's like a right. Greg Hardy situation where she's paid off and she doesn't end up showing up to court. It's very, very, there, there are a lot of different variables. And so I think in with domestic violence in particular, we're trying to paint this broad brush over, you know, it. it Ray Rice is the the same situation as a Josh Brown. Well, no, it's not. It, it's it's the, every situation is different, and we can't just what? say that you should get six games no matter what without the investigation actually taking but place. But see, I think that's the problem is is the fact that it has to sort of be broad based because when a domestic violence incident comes up, one player is getting three games, six games, another player you know, is getting one game. And I think that's what a lot of the issue was about this is he was still getting paid leave when this was going on. And that's fine, but it needs to be that way across the board for every player. If that's the way that they're going to do it. I mean, I don't think that the NFL needs to have any tolerance to this. I don't think that, you know, I think that honestly you should not be paid until the investigation goes through. If you're found innocent, you get the money back and there you go. There there was an interesting article on on Deadspin today that actually uh, referenced that, that you can't do that. You you can't make mandatory sentences. You can't make mandatory punishments because a lot of it, specifically with domestic violence is your, a lot of these arguments stem from alcohol and money and you're affecting the livelihood. If you take away the money from the, you're, you're you're directly affecting the wife, possibly children and, and they don't, and then from that point on, they don't have but an income source is, to take care of what themselves. What if somebody did it in a regular job? They're probably going to be fired Wrong. if their boss. You would not be fired. If, if, you, if, if not. you were if you were beating your wife or if, you were if, abusing your wife, I mean, I would hope that an employer would say you're not going to be working for my company. But well, that's the reality. I, I, of I it. do. I do think that NFL teams, once the investigation is complete, should be should should take it uh, an onus on themselves to decide if they want that person representing their team or not. But I don't think the NFL should be in the business of conducting criminal investigations, something that they're not qualified to do. Well, and there's many things I don't like about this, and 
one thing is the NFL said, well, we didn't, we didn't have all the information. We didn't get the information. They wouldn't allow us to have the information. Whereas the sheriff's office said, you never contacted us at all. And the two people that did contact, contact us never said they were with the league. And the sheriff did point out that even if you mentioned you were with the league, I can't give you all the information. But I would have told you, be careful with this one. There's a lot more to it than you know. So I don't agree with the league kind of making contact, but hey, no, we're not with the league. I'm just some random person. From what I heard, they made they reached out from like a Comcast email address. Yes, not and a, never not an NFL never mentioned email never mentioned they were with the league. But when they reached out, the investigation wasn't complete by the sheriff's department. So right. they said, "We'll get back to you when our investigation is complete." Right, because they never mentioned they were with the league. But he said, if they mentioned they were with the league, I would have told them, "I cannot give you all the information, but you need to be wary." There is more to this than you know. That's what you need to know. And, and I can't and give you the information. That's where I'd say my issue with the, the uniform violations and all the tacky stuff that they're concentrating on is this person's job, who is to figure out if that person needs to be fined for wearing mm-hmm. their own cleats, could have instead have been directly contacting right. and making sure to document everything mm-hmm. and not worrying at all about what someone's wearing on their sleeve and, and all that kind of stuff. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by DreamFinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM. That's awesome, Tyler. game that uh, world, you've been in world cup of hockey man yeah. it's canadians versus the americans and in the uh, prelims it was very nasty lots of fights um and there's already been one tonight as That's far as i've seen hockey yeah wow well Love we're it. we actually are going to talk about some brawls or some skirmishes or some brouhaha's however you would like to name them but before that we're going to talk about bobby petrino a little bit as most people remember bobby petrino had a very successful coaching career landed at arkansas and then landed on on a scooter with oh. a co-ed. I thought you were going to go another way with that one. Nope, nope. It's a PG-13 show. <laughs> and uh, he got in a little bit of trouble. He got let go. Ridiculous. Another the, goal. Yes, the I know. The at Louisville, Sorry. Tom Urich. Jurich. I always say Urich. Jurich. Jurich. Um, it's just, it should be a silent J. Yes. But anyway, uh, he ended up hiring Bobby Petrino. Well, you hired him back. Yes, hired him back. He used to coach there. And... Some people would say that that was a fabulous move because obviously now look at Louisville's success. Right. Other people would say, how on earth could you hire someone with such morality issues? So, Blythe's favorite person on earth, Clay Travis, said that he's, I was going to say clipboard Jesus because I've been listening to the drill in the mornings and they've been talking at length about uh, Charlie Whitehurst and him being clipboard Jesus, but Clay Travis called him football Jesus. So, Blythe, I'll start with you. And I'm going to guess you're a little bit biased, but how do you feel about Petrina? Absolutely, I'm biased. I, I think that any time that, and this goes, this is across the board as far as sports, industries, business, if your talent outweighs your baggage, you will always have a job. And that's the thing with Bobby Petrino is that he's not so great at recruiting, but he's great at, at offensive production. He's great at play calling. He's great at quarterback production or, or quarterback development. And like I said, he got started at Louisville, then went to Arkansas, got into the trouble with his 
mistress. And the big issue with it wasn't necessarily that he had a mistress. It was the fact that he hired the mistress and she was working for Arkansas at the time. It should be both. So, well, I don't really care about if you're, you're, you're off the field transgressions. <laughs> but where people draw the line with that particular situation is that he hired her and that she was working for the team. And so after that happened, he went to Western Kentucky for a season and then Louisville hired him back. And that's when he, and, and that's the, the, the biggest reason why Lamar Jackson actually went to Louisville is because he wanted to go under Bobby Petrino's quarterback development. And so for me personally, I don't care what you're doing off the field. As long as it's not illegal mm-hmm. and as long as you're not putting any harm to anyone else, if you're getting me wins, you can bang as many mistresses as you want. I'm right there with her. I'm right there with her. I don't, you know, if you want to be, you know, in a dishonest relationship, I don't, whatever. If, you know, as long as no cops come knocking at that door, no arrests are made, I just keep remembering that pigment skin, whatever. He, was, he always looked like a red face with that, uh, whatever, on the scooter. But um, are you kidding me again? So, uh, no, I just, I, I mean, he's, yeah, like you said, he's getting wins. He's getting, uh, do I think he's a football G, uh, Jesus? No. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. I don't. And But I'm not like you. I'm not biased. Right. If we, if we want to talk, you know, coaches, and I'll fling my coach right in there. Well, the, the, but, the biggest thing now that's coming out of this is that SEC schools are talking, or rumored, to eventually want to court Bobby Petrino as they should away from Louisville and so that was one of the, the things that Clay Travis said in his article is that if he's LSU or, or Auburn he's taking a dump truck full of cash and he's dumping it right on Bobby Petrino's front porch doesn't Petrino have a really big buyout though at Louisville he has a big buyout but he's also said that he's he, he wants to retire at Louisville he doesn't want to leave and what a lot of people don't know is that Louisville has a great athletic department and they have some of the best facilities in, in college football in general so for for him to be pulled away, he's already said that he wants to retire there. So for him to be pulled away, they would have to offer a significant amount of money. And Amanda, you talked about the lack of QB production mm-hmm. in the SEC. Think about if, if, if Bobby Petrino was pulled away and he was put at somewhere where, where, like an LSU, where the talent is so thick there already. Right. And that could be someone that could legitimately challenge Nick Saban in Alabama. But this is a year to do it as the, S- as the SEC isn't. Um, showing their talent, I guess you could say, well, his, in wins per se. But SEC historically, is down for sure. Yeah. The, the issue with LSU is going to be Les Miles' buyout. <laughs> Les Miles has a massive buyout that I don't know. I mean, yes, LSU fans have started a GoFundMe account, but but they wanted to fire him at the end of last season. Too. They, they did, did, but they didn't, and therefore they're still though going to be stuck with that buyout. So if you're talking about a school having to pay the buyout of the current coach and then pay the buyout of the other coach leaving like Petrino leaving Louisville, you're talking about potentially somewhere in the ballpark of like 20 plus million dollars before you, but but that's before you even get a salary named. So I think LSU could be tricky, but certainly a place like Auburn is a, is a breeding ground right now (laughs) for anybody to come and take Malzahn's hot seat away from them. But in, in general, Amanda, where do you sit on this whole hiring of Bobby Petrino? Well, it doesn't really matter what I think because this because football. But you're gonna be a coach someday. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're rival with Petrino. You're right. But I'm not going to sleep with mistresses when I'm a coach. So Aww. I can tell you that. Um, it's hard because football. What if is, her name's Jolyn Schmo? Well, I might have to reconsider my stance. Um, it's hard. Because 
because football is a winning business, and so a lot of people take morals out of it, which I disagree with, but I do understand because if you have an awesome coach like someone like Bobby Petrino who's going to get you wins, then you might kind of look the other way on certain things. Um, And I can kind of look the other way on things that don't harm anyone else, but there always is someone that's harmed in a situation. So that's why it's kind of weird for me. But we also, we don't know anything about their relationship. No, we don't know I anything don't know about anything. Bobby Petrino's marriage. He no. could, it, it, they could very well have an open marriage. We don't know anything about that. And mm-hmm. so in, in that particular situation, I think it's, he's not doing anything illegal and he's not causing harm, physical harm to, to right. anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a, if, if you want to be the moral police, there's a, there's a fine line to draw because where do you, where do you draw the line? Do you, do you draw the line a hundred dollar handshakes that it's routinely done? Right. Historically, throughout college football, or do you, you know, I'm going to give you a job and I'm going to give you a car because you work two hours a week for my dealership. Is that another, you know, transgression? Yeah. Or I mean, it's, there, if, if you start playing in that realm of being the moral police and you open yourself up to a of variety course. of issues. Yep. Sure. Uh, one thing I will absolutely be the moral police on, if you're married and you make a commitment for a lifetime and you make those vows to each other, there's no such thing as an open marriage, in yes, my opinion. In my, I'm going to go with my opinion, not yours. And so in my opinion, if it comes out that he's sleeping with a mistress, then at that point it goes to show that he's going to lie and cheat. And if he's going to lie and cheat to his wife who he made those vows with, how do you know he's lying and cheating to her? Because there's no such thing as a marriage where you don't commit your life every to relationship each other. is different. Every sure, relationship and that's is where different. again we're going to disagree. Um, I'm going to say that if you make those vows when you're standing on the altar or standing on a beach or standing in someone's backyard, wherever it is, you make the vow that you're going to love and honor and cherish them forever. And there's no part of lying and cheating that can be formulated into cherishing and honoring. There's no possible way that you can yeah. tell me that I could be accepted a circular ring that means infinity to be with that person and say that that means that that person can run around on me in the back end but on a scooter with you. somebody else. But that's you. It's that also, not all marriages and not all relationships sure, are the same and they all, cannot be defined I'm, but one right. by one concept. I'm going to go with what I believe um, and what has been written um, on all the documents that people sign when they get married. So... I believe that if he's going to lie and cheat in his marriage, that also means that it's potentially the door is open for him to lie and cheat doing other That's things. That's a breach. That's a big breach. No. You're lying and cheating to the you. one person that, yeah. that you're waking you, uh, up next to, uh, going to bed next again, to every you, single day, every single night. Again, you don't know anything about their relationship. Nothing. Have you met... I'm going to go to Donna, who's married. Have you met a lot of people in your life who have had open marriages who could care less if their spouse cheats on them? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with the majority know. of people in this scenario, Blythe. I'm going to go with most women do not <laughs> want their husband cheating on them with a co-ed that they also hire That's for your doing filthy stuff. That's a very <laughs> accurate statement. What you and therefore, said. I'm going to say if you're going to yes. cheat on your wife, you also may lie and cheat in other That's ways, shapes, That's a big No, because if you're okay with lying and cheating on the person that's supposed to mean the most to you, that means you're more likely to lie and cheat on someone that, that is such a as reach. No, no, such no. It's a not reach. a reach at all. I'm going to go to the married person yet again. Please, Donna. Uh, to me, if he wants to lie and cheat on his husband, or her, <laughs> wow, I am so off tonight, on his spouse, sure, uh, it shows to me that's not the most important thing in his life. 
football will be the most important thing in his life. How do you know that football is the most important thing in his life and not his mistress is then the most important thing in his life? Because he still has a coaching Because he put his mistress above his coaching career. And at the time he put his mistress above his coaching career, he said, you know what? You are now the idol of my life and my coaching career is going to take a back seat because I'm going to get fired. I'm going to have to go to Western Kentucky. I'm going to prove myself with the Hilltoppers. Then I'm going to have to go to some other school. And uh, luckily, I'm hopefully going to get hired by Louisville. I'm going to put my uh, I don't think that's luck at all. Putting I think my hand a huge, back down. huge wish <laughs> to, to put those two situations together. You guys don't know anything about their relationship. You don't know what's acceptable to them. And what's acceptable to one person might not be acceptable to someone else. It does not mean that he's going to be lying and cheating. You could uh, take that scenario and you could apply it to anything else in life. If you're going to, if someone's going to offer you something for free, then that means, oh, well, you're going to take free items at every place you go to. You can't make that reach. No. You are not in their relationship. You don't know anything about their relationship. She very well could be completely cool with it, but pissed off the fact that it happened in a, in a public setting like it did. There are a lot of relationships, especially in sports, and you're naive if you think otherwise. Oh, of course. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that just because someone cheats on their wife means they absolutely will lie to someone else. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's more likely to happen because if in a part of my life that I value in my personal life, if I am lying and cheating, I am more likely to do it in other aspects. Does that mean I'm going to do it? No, but I'm more likely to because I've already done it here. So that's all. I'm not saying he does it. Well, theoretical question. Jameis Winston, you're a Jameis Winston fan. We all know the historical things that happen with him at FSU, but you still support him. Why do how you can't draw the line with one person because you're a fan of the team and not draw the line with another coach of the team. James Winston was not married. I'm going to put that into the mix and then go right yeah, ahead. Yeah, he wasn't married. Uh, but he allegedly different. sexually assaulted someone. Right, absolutely. And that's wrong. <laughs> if he did, that's absolutely wrong. 100%. But he's not the coach. What does that matter? There are different precedences set. No. I'm not making excuses for James Winston. If he absolutely sexually assaulted that girl, he needs to be punished 100%. Absolutely. There's no, like, it doesn't matter who you are if you sexually assault someone, whether you're the president of the United States or a homeless person. It doesn't matter. But you, That you, is a crime. But you're right. But you're making the reach that because he had an affair, because Bobby Petrino had an affair, that he's more likely to, to lie and cheat. But hell yes, job. it's not making a reach. If, if I lie to reach. you, if I lie to you, I'm more likely to lie to Donna and Amanda. And average person will. It means she's more likely to do it. Again, you guys do not know anything about other I'm not people's relationships. To Most his people relationship. don't know. Lying is lying. Cheating is cheating. Correct. That's how I'm gonna end this. Yes. If you lie you on know, test, you're more likely to lie to the average person, person tells a lie every 10 minutes. The average person tells a lie every 10 minutes. That doesn't make it right. But it still happens. It's human I know. nature. I know it happens. I am so entertained I right know now. it happens. Donna's chowing down Again, her I, I, I think at the end of the day, you, if Bobby Petrino was the head coach of any one of your teams, you would not care about this mistress. You would not give two rats behind about this mistress. I think the conversation is not, is he now a good coach? regardless of what happened. He's always been a good coach. The, the question is, is he going to be hired again based off of the past? He has been hired again. He's been hired twice since that incident. Correct. And I think that's the that's what we are debating is is 
if you're an AD somewhere, is this a person that you're going to hire? Absolutely. Right. And Our Bryles will get another job. He will. And he, he will. absolutely let transgressions happen on his campus. And I, I want to make, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, Blythe, and then we got to go to break. Um, you mentioned sexual assault, James Winston thing. We don't have enough time in the show no, no, tonight no. to That's talk about totally the different. differences between someone who commits sexual assault versus someone who consents willingly with another female, but outside of their marriage. Of that, course, those are but if you're going to support, but what, we're ta- what we're talking about is supporting someone who's made transgressions. And if you're going to support someone who's made a transgression, whether or not we know it's for sure or not, something bad happened in that situation, and we don't, we'll never know the, the full facts. Just like we'll of never course. know the full facts with Bobby Petrino and his mistress. And not that it matters because James Winston is still winning and nobody cares, and Bobby Petrino is still winning and nobody cares, and anybody in the league would sign up in sports to have Bobby Petrino as their coach or have James Winston as their quarterback. You're and right. at the end of the day, that's what matters in football. It's not these moral, we're not in the moral police business. We're in the fact of you're in a business to win games and both of those guys win games. And I totally disagree as a media member, as having a microphone right now, I absolutely get to be in the media Therefore, the moral police business. I'm allowed to say my thoughts, regardless of your opinion, your opinion, your opinion, or the opinion of the person in the we back. We all have that right. I, I absolutely get to sit here and say that it is my opinion that when you are married, you do not have an open marriage. When you are married, you are betrothed to that person for the rest of your life. And I firmly believe that if Bobby Petrino's wife was in an open marriage, quote unquote, which I don't believe exists, was in an open marriage with him, she would have come out and said, it does not affect me. It does she not affect our you marriage. I'm not saying she I'm saying she would have come out and said, for my husband's career's sake, don't worry about this. Just like Shelly Meyer came out and said that my husband was addicted to painkillers and was drinking heavily when he was having issues at Florida. And then I convinced him to leave people back their spouses. And something tells me that that's not the case. Every relationship is different. And just because you have certain parameters have in, in place with your relationship doesn't mean that that goes for anybody else. Can we all agree? How on earth? Did he get a mistress? Can we agree on that one? Money and power. Coming up next, the fair and fair injury update, as well as is Lady Gaga your choice for a Super Bowl headliner? That's all next. But Malid's story of what I want to talk about is is sort of the, the state of the Jaguars. If you're just tuning in, my name is Blythe Brumley. This is the Guys Girl Show. We do this show every uh, Monday night and Friday morning to sort of recap you and preview on the, the sports weekend. And and one of the, the big stories for, for someone like me who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, is the state of the Jaguars. And obviously this season has been a complete shit show. It's been a firestorm. You go into the season, I think as a lot of sports fans, you go into the season thinking that you're going to uh, exceed expectations. People were picking Jaguar, picking the Jaguars as a, a playoff contender, and obviously that is um, not happening. Um, so that's, it, it's been a little bit of a reality check and... Uh, I feel like I say this every single season that, you know, I'm surprised that we suck more than I expected us to. But I'm, it's just one of those things that I think you maybe become conditioned to it. But on the other hand, it's one of those instances where you have you build up all these expectations. And if they don't fulfill them, that's one thing. But if they're not competitive during the season, I think that that's when fans get 
angry, they get upset, they start looking towards other things of what could, where they could place the blame. And I think it's just another one of those seasons. And it's another one of those periods of time where you have to, you have to think about rebuilding. And I hate even using that phrase because a lot of NFL teams across the country, they don't even use that phrase. The Minnesota Vikings, when, when Teddy Bridgewater went down, they didn't use the term rebuilding. And I know that's sort of a, maybe a bad example to use at this point because they started off fast and now they're, they're, they've sort of sputtered a little bit as of late, but they didn't, they didn't choose to quit. They didn't choose to think of the season as a rebuilding season when their quarterback goes down. And even when they're starting running back, running back and Adrian Peterson went down, it's sort of a mentality thing. And with the Jaguars in particular, when we brought this new regime in, it was Dave GM, Dave Caldwell, uh, head coach Gus Bradley. They drafted, you know, their, their third overall pick, Blake Bortles. And it thought to be, this is a step in the right direction under a new owner with Shad Khan, that this was going to be something that will take the Jaguars into from being, you know, the, the little brother of the league to, to somebody that's a, or a team that is, is a formidable force. And a lot of fans truly believed in that message because the offense was so prolific last year. And they, they, they pieced together a defense that was going, that was, should have been the weakness coming into this season. And I don't think anyone could have predicted. Well, I mean, some people did, but a lot of the fan base here locally and nationally thought that the Jaguars would take that next step. They haven't done so. It looks like it's going to be another one of those seasons where you just got to clear, clean house and start over again. But I wouldn't necessarily use that phrase as start over because there are there is a lot of talent on this team. And it would be incredible to see how much talent or how much production we could get out of the team if... We were to have a better leadership at the top. And the leadership at the top started off with the rebuilding mentality. And I and I just don't agree with that philosophy that you should go into a season expecting to get some losses, expecting to lose the majority of your games. Because if you set that expectation low, then that's where the players are going to play. And if you set the expectations high, you, you instill confidence and, and you expect them to, to go beyond of what they're, what they think they're capable of, right? So that obviously has not happened. Um, that's one thing though that fans can't control. The, and, and it's frustrating and it sucks and we're going to have to go into another offseason. That's all well and fine. But the big story, the bigger story to me is how the Jaguars are treating or trying to appeal to away fans. And we have sort of a unique market here in in Jacksonville where we have a stadium that's too large for our market. We have the second smallest market in all of the NFL. Green Bay is the smallest, but there's nothing ever going on in Green Bay except for football. But in Florida, you have a unique dynamic where you're competing with a beach that's 10 minutes away. You're competing with, you know, several attractions. Orlando with, you know, the theme park capital of the world is is, is a two-hour drive. Fans know all of these things, and they, they know they exist, so the Jaguars have a unique selling opportunity to where they have to attract not only the diehards. The diehards you're going to get, we've always gotten the, you know, the 40,000 fans per game, but you want to get those casual fans because that's where you bring in the money. That's where you bring in the people who are going to buy, you know, concessions and, and, and beers and, and things like that. Um, so you want to bring in those additional 20 K fans and how the Jaguars are going about doing this 
is that they've made viewing areas in the stadium. They have the pools. They have the cabana areas. Um, they have the, the largest scoreboards in the world. Um, all of these things, and they, they, they're supposed to have, you know, red zone in, in each of the four corners of the stadium. So they try to appeal to the casual fan as well. But where I think a lot of fans have recently drawn the line is whenever you introduce away team merchandise, which is what the Jaguars have done. Earlier in the season, they have quietly been testing a pilot program working with a, with a realtor, or not realtor, but um, uh, a retailer is what I should say, and, and selling away team merchandise in the stadium. And at first, I thought this was just sort of, you know, one of those rumors floating around that maybe they're selling little trinkets or, any, or, or something. But um, a guy who started the, the Bold City Brigade, John Caputo, he actually went to the area of the stadium where they were rumored to be selling away team merchandise. And yes, they, they the Jaguars are in fact selling away team merchandise from division rivals to um, essentially all of the, the home opponents that we're going to be facing this year. And for a lot of fans, it's a slap in the face. Like what other stadium could you go to? I got a commenter asking if you can buy a Mariota jersey at a Jags game. I would, I would hope not because right now that's a very sore subject with the rise of Mariota in the red zone with no red zone interceptions. And meanwhile, we're dealing with Blake Bortles over here who has three games in a row and the first series he throws an interception. Uh, but I digress. So uh, anyways, the, the Jaguars are appealing to away teams in a way that I've never heard of any other NFL team uh, re- re- trying to relate to. So if you went up to, to say, Heinz Field and tried to watch a game in Pittsburgh, would you expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to be playing or, or to be playing away team music, which has also happened at Everbank Field this year? The Raiders were, were here earlier in, about a month ago. And when the Raiders scored a touchdown, the DJ played the Raiders fight song, which I, I didn't really notice at the time until later on. And then you start putting it all together and things start building up when you, when you have a, a bad loss. You start thinking and pointing fingers at all the things you want to get mad about. And that was one of the things that you, you get furious about. It's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? What are you thinking of doing? We're supposed to be creating a culture of, of winning, of certain expectations, of uh, a, a sort of that, that diehard fan culture. And meanwhile, we have employees at Everbank that are making decisions to appease other fan bases. And it's not only that. It's not only playing the away team music which has happened multiple times. It did not, and not only happened this season, but I think it was two seasons ago where there was a Jaguars pregame, like preseason kickoff party. And at one of the, it, it was in like the cabana area. So like the pools and all of that area. And there were a bunch of Steeler fans that were in town for the game. And there are actually a lot of Steeler fans who live in Jacksonville, which is weird. And I, I, I say Jacksonville, but I really mean Middleburg. So they li- all live out in the outskirts of, of Jacksonville. And they, a lot of Steeler fans came to this party. And the DJ that was hired ended up playing the Steelers' black and yellow song at the party, too. And it's like, what are you guys doing? And then not only do you have them catering to away fans, which part of me gets as far as money is concerned. You want to be able to, you have to have revenue in order to bring 
you know, to, to sort of it, do what you want as, as a franchise. But the Jaguars have already used one of our home games in London once a year. Once a season for like the past four seasons, we've given up a home game. And that revenue that you get whenever you go over to London is exponentially better than the revenue that you get here in Jacksonville if you were to hold that, 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 or sell that same merchandise or whatnot. I think they get something like 100% or, or close to 100, a good majority percent of the merchandise sales over in, in London whenever they, they, they send their games over there. That's why you see a lot of teams now sending their teams over there to play in London because you make some money doing it. So the Jaguars have not only given up a home game to London crowd, they're appeasing or trying to appease away team fans, not only by playing their fight song music, but also ticket wise catering to the away fans and, and selling them blocks of tickets. And I and, and I know that other franchises have done the same for Jaguar fans whenever uh, the same gentleman I mentioned earlier, John Caputo, whenever he manages or whenever he arranges away trips to other cities like Tampa and Nashville. He works with ticket reps in order to get certain tickets that are on sale. And one thing that happened that really rose an eyebrow to me whenever everybody, all the Jaguar fans were going down to Tampa last season was that the ticket rep that he worked with put the tickets, only put the tickets available to the Jaguars fan group. They didn't have these tickets. The Bucks didn't have these tickets publicly available for sale to Bucks fans. And so when things like that happened, like that, if I was a Bucks fan and I found out that tickets weren't listed online for Bucks fans, but they were rather sold in secret, essentially, to another team, I would be out of, I would be livid. I would be out of my mind. And this is sort of what's been happening with the Jaguars, is that they're also another Florida team that's catering to away fans. And I just don't know where you, where you sort of draw the line, because we don't, this is such a different football culture than up north. I mean, Florida is very different as far as team, you know, football consumption and things like that. But it's still, it pisses you off that your home team, that they're, you're essentially erasing what little home advantage that your team has. And it, by catering to these other fan bases. So I'm, I'm, I know the Jaguars are, are, are feeling it right now, customer service-wise. Uh, there was an article in Big Cat Country that essentially said that if you don't like this happening in your stadium, then you need to give um, – I need to pull that article up. But I'll, I'll include it in the show notes of the person that you can call. If you're, if you're pissed off about this like a lot of the fans are, then you have every right to voice your opinion. And um, I'll, I'll put the show notes in the show notes after this show is over. I'll put where you can call the gentleman you can call um, the phone number, his direct line and what you can say to him as far as fan feedback is concerned, because I think the majority of fans didn't know that this was going on and it kind of blew up over the past couple weeks, which is it, it's really it, and for for people who live in sort of like an echo chamber of Duval County in Jacksonville, Florida, like this is a big deal that we didn't really know it existed because most people that show up to games you already have your gear so i don't know what you're what you're gaining by just even the perception it, it is the perception worth the revenue the potential revenue that you'll earn from this merchandise because there there are 
independent merchandisers outside of the stadium, much like any other stadium, that are selling away team gear. And to me, that's acceptable because you're appealing to fans that are just getting to the game. They might not have something to wear to, to the game, and maybe they bought tickets. And away fans certainly have... Uh, every opportunity to come to a game, but you shouldn't be catering to them as far as home field advantage is concerned. You should not be catering to them inside the stadium where you're trying to create a home field advantage. And that's what the Jaguars have done, not only this season, but they've done it in the past. And I think that that's where fans are getting royally pissed off because we can't control how the players play on the field. And as shitty as they've played all season, with the exception of a few, and, you know, guys like Telvin Smith and and Jalen Ramsey, everybody else, we can't control that. But what we can control is how our home stadium deals with the our home field advantage and, and and appeasing to an away team fan base by playing their music by selling their gear is complete and utter bullshit and the Jaguars need a wake up call so I'll make sure to include those um, the the directions on how to get in touch with um, sort of the leadership team that made that decision earlier in the year hopefully we can get that change and you know obviously you know talk to them respectfully of course. Um, as respectfully as you can if you're a fan of a losing team that has almost 50 losses in the past four seasons. So that, that's where we're at, Jaguar-wise. Hey guys, welcome into another edition of the Guys Girl Show. My name is Blythe Brumley. I am here with you every Monday night and every Friday morning to talk about the big sports entertainment news that happened over the weekend or to preview the action that's coming up for for the weekend. Obviously, since it's Monday, we're going to talk about the big, big sports weekend that happened, especially in the world of football. Um, but first, I want to start off with a little bit of housekeeping notes. Um, thanks to all you guys who are sharing the show with your friends and and, and telling everybody else about it. Um, we're getting a lot of traction as far as this is concerned. And when I say we, I really mean me, um, because this is just a little show that I started doing at the beginning of the sports season. So um, it's been sort of a trial and error. And if you've heard any of the iTunes shows or, or any of these podcasts, not necessarily on Periscope, but maybe on another platform, um, then you possibly have heard a little bit of um, maybe some audio difficulties. Definitely, if you heard Friday's show, um, that is, that, that that's definitely a reality, especially on my part, because, well, the good news is, is that I have my webcam and my mic working properly now together, only whenever I'm talking into the microphone, it sounds like I'm yelling at you. So, did some more test runs today. Uh, it's not sounding up to par, so I'm just going to skip the live stream on on all the other platforms that I'm on for tonight, and I'm just going Periscope only, since that is a platform that likes to play nicely with me the most. Um, so, what we like to do it with every Monday night is I like to go through what I like to call the six-pack of sports coverage. And so... What I do is I pick out, I read through all of my notes, I listen to a bunch of different talk shows, and I pick the six stories that I think are the the biggest impactful stories. And so obviously I want to to jump right into um, something that is sort of near and dear to my heart, and that is the unfortunately the Jaguars. Um, and I'm not going to go and I'm not going to harp on the the team's performance because we all know at a record of sitting at two and eight or two and ten. Oh gosh, back in the days when it was just two and eight, but now it's two and ten. Um, 
but it, it's it's been a, a one of the most challenging seasons I think for for Jaguar fans in in my history at least. Um, we've always sort of had this hope and this optimism built up throughout the season, and then it just comes crashing down. And nothing we we haven't had as much hope before uh, an off season as we did with this season, considering that we had one of the top offenses in football last season that was supposed to be something that was going to be shored up and you know we had an answer at the quarterback position we had stud wide receivers um a so-so run game and then coming into the season the biggest question mark was going to be on the defense and it's completely flip-flopped this year so the the offense is a complete shit show um Blake Bortles has more interceptions or more career pick sixes than he does career wins and so he has 11 pick sixes and he has 10 career wins so if that tells you sort of the state of where the Jaguars offense is right now then then that's a that's a good um that that just that just wraps it up pretty nicely and puts a little nice little bow on it but when I was at the game yesterday it was really disheartening because I noticed that there were a ton of Bronco fans in attendance and and when I say a ton I mean a ton and there were noticeable points especially later in the game when the Bronco fans were cheering for obviously their team because they had traveled to see them or maybe they were a local fan or local Bronco fans that had just decided to come to the game but it was one of those instances where you felt like you it wasn't near it wasn't really a home game anymore and this sort of culminates what a lot of fans have been complaining about throughout the season. And we talked about this in a, a previous show about the Jaguars selling away team merchandise inside the stadium. And while that sort of irks a lot of fans, and it did me for a, a little bit, but it, it doesn't so, it, it, not so much. I'm more affected by the play on the field more than anything. Um, but with that, with catering to away fans, I think that the Jaguars are sort of taking this turn where they're not just selling merchandise inside the stadium, but rather I think that they're making, they're trying to turn Jacksonville, they're making a conscious business decision to turn Jacksonville into an away team destination for away fans. And that to me is, is bothersome, but I also know this market, this market is, is completely different from, well, really any team in, in the state of Florida, in the state of California, you have a completely different market than what you do any other place that has football, maybe up in the north or, you know, like a Pittsburgh or New York. Like there are there are tons of things. Um, well, not necessarily. There are tons of things to do in the state of Florida and in California outdoors that are a lot more fun than watching a two and ten football team at this point. But with that said, the Jaguars have been making a conscious effort to appeal to these fan bases. And I want to bring up something that happened a couple years ago that I want. Yeah, I definitely. One of the commenters said I saw a lot of orange in the stadium. I saw a lot of orange, too. And it wasn't just at the end of the game when a lot of fans had left. It was during the entire game that there were a lot of of Bronco fans there. I would say a good estimate would be about 35 percent of the fans inside Everbank were and I'd say, yeah, about 35% is, is a good estimate for uh, the amount of Bronco fans that were here. And and to, for fans who, who may not have ever been to Everbank Field, you might not know that Everbank is a very large stadium. I think it holds, it used to hold something like 73,000, and currently it holds, what, like 67, 68,000? So we have, it's, it's a very 
large stadium for the market that we're in. We're the second smallest market in all of the NFL. Green Bay is obviously the smallest, but with Green Bay, you you have a situation where there's not much to do in Green Bay in the month of December when it's probably 25 degrees outside and there's snow on the ground. You can't just hit the beach up. Like, it was 84 degrees today here in Jacksonville. So that's still beach weather, and that's still something that, you know, people just aren't going to take time out of their weekend, especially during the holidays, to go and watch a terrible football team. So why wouldn't fans from out of town, from Denver, come into town to see their team play where they can get a cheap seat? A couple years ago, the Chicago Bears came to town, and that was when the Jaguars were somewhat decent. We had won a few more games than what we have this year, and it was cheaper for a fan of the Chicago Bears to fly down to Jacksonville, buy tickets to the game, stay in a hotel, and fly back than it was to go see a game at Soldier Field. And so I think that's where the Jaguars are sort of taking they're they're trying to make themselves that the, before Vegas comes around, we you know that the Oakland Raiders in Vegas. I think that the Jaguars want to build themselves as the away team destination for fans, and so I think that that's something that we have to sort of almost get used to as as Jaguar fans because unless the team is going to be winning double digit wins each year, I doubt that we're going to fill the entire stadium, you know, 60,000 plus people every single weekend just to watch this team play, especially if they're struggling. So for me, in my grand scheme of things, if I am if I if it's my NFL and I'm put in charge of the NFL, for forever, then I would be making certain stipulations. If you're going to appear, uh, appeal to that away fan base, I think you still have to keep the integrity of the home fans in mind. So my idea was is that you should take a cue from what they do down in with soccer stadiums, especially when like USA, Mexico play against each other. Whenever the US World Cup team or the men's national team, they go down and they play in Mexico, that's a huge rivalry game. And what happens during that game is that all of the away fans, they're put in one section. And that one section has a cage surrounding them. So the home fans or the home crowd won't, you know, throw things at them or or are just plain old abuse them. And and what you see happening between those fan bases is that, pe- that the abuse still happens. There, are, I've heard stories of people taking in pennies and quarters and they'll shut them into wherever the away fans are just because it's small enough to get through the the grating on the the surrounding fence. And so they'll do that. They'll take little balloons and they'll fill the balloons up with urine and they'll throw it at the away fans too. So this is like some crazy like soccer European shit that goes on at these games that we haven't seen in the NFL yet. But because of the increased, I, I want to say increased violence at, at NFL games, we, we've, we've talked about this earlier in the season that there are instances where fans get uh, get into fights out in the parking lot. Dodger Stadium, that, that famous incident with um, with Brian Stowe where he was actually a Giants fan who was injured in the parking lot of Dodger Stadium. He still hasn't recovered fully from that injury, nearly died from that injury. And, and now you can't tailgate at Dodger Stadium anymore because of it. And I will say that from personal experience, I know that the Dodger Stadium security is top-notch. But we haven't seen that sort of trickle down into the other sports teams, the other sports leagues. And I think with the NFL in particular, with the Jaguars in particular, if you want, 
if you're going to increasingly be cozied up near these the, these um, these breweries, these beer sponsors, if you're going to promote alcohol at the games and realize that when fans, especially away fans, home fans are sitting near each other, there's and, and you mix alcohol in there, there's going to be conflict. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And and, and definitely with Raiders fans, Raiders fans have a a, a big. I guess a reputation of being, I've never been, you know, I've never experienced a bad Raiders fan, but I'm sure a lot of people out there have. But I think if that's going to be become a situation where the NFL cozies up to these, these beer sponsors, these liquor sponsors, especially with the Jaguars, I think if you're going to cater to an away fan base and if you're going to cater to alcohol companies, then what you have to do is you have to provide a safety net for these away fans to visit. And I don't and, and I personally prefer the idea of taking a section, a low and it, this is in my NFL. If I'm put in charge of the NFL, this is what I'm doing. And I'm getting a lower bowl and I'm getting a higher bowl. And I'm taking those two sections and I'm reserving those sections for away fans only. And I'm sticking them in those sections. That way you have proper security. You you, you don't have to worry about fights occurring. Um unless it's a situation where the away team doesn't have that much draw. Like, say, if the Jaguars are playing the, the Texans, and they, the, the Texans don't travel well. That That's just known. It's teams like the Steelers and, and the Bears and the Broncos and, and the Raiders. Though All those teams travel well. So I think if you take those fan bases and you put them in their own section, then you're you're accomplishing both things. You're, you're, you're making your home fan base somewhat tolerable to the idea that you're catering to these away fan bases and you're also making a safe football environment for these away fans who a lot of fans especially if you're wearing away gear it, you're, you're a little terrified to go into a stadium it's, it's almost like you, the, the fear of the unknown I remember I went up to New York a few years ago to see a Red Sox and Yankees game and I'm a big Red Sox fan and but I know I, I know where to push it and I'm the type of girl that I, I love talking shit. I love especially when it comes to sports. But whenever I was in New York, I did not wear my Red Sox gear on the subway. I got to the stadium, got inside the stadium, then changed into my Red Sox shirt and then walked down to my seats. Before the game was over, because the Red Sox ended up winning like ten to three or something, before the game was over or when the game was over, I went into the bathroom and changed back Back into my regular clothes and then rode the subway back to my hotel because there, you just you, you never know what kind of crazy people you're going to be dealing with, especially when sports and alcohol is combined. So to me, if I'm in charge of the NFL and I'm the Jaguars and I'm creating this culture, trying to cultivate this this uh, this away fan viewing experience because. If you have the scoreboards, if you have the pools, like that, all of that stuff is very appealing to an away team fan. Or, or and, and the fact that we live in Florida and and people want to visit, and Jacksonville is very affordable to visit, both hotel wise, travel wise, airplane wise. Like it's very it's very appealing to an away team fan base to want to come to to see their team play because they will like the in the Bears case, they will pay a, a cheaper rate to see their team play here and probably have availability to tickets and. And in, especially on the Jaguars side, where a lot of Jaguar fans don't even want to bother going to the games at this point, and they just rather just sell their tickets and get it over with, and 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 make a little bit of money off of it, and watch this team at home in peace, where they don't have to deal with away fans and 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 things like that. So I think if 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 
the Jaguars are going to continue down this road of selling team merchandise inside the stadium, even playing away team fight songs like what they, they've done with the Steelers and with the Raiders. The Raiders actually happened in-game where they played the fight song after uh, the Raiders scored a field goal, I believe. And then it was a couple years ago that there was a preseason party and a bunch of Steeler fans were in town for it. And this was like a Thursday night of the of the, the matchup. And there was a party at the stadium. And the ja- there was a DJ there at Everbank Field. And they started playing the, bla- the Steelers' Black and Yellow song. And to me, like that... As a home fan, like that makes my skin crawl. I, I don't want to, I, I want to know that I have a home field advantage as far as my team is concerned. This is my team, my territory type of, type of thing. But that's not happening right now with the Jaguars, especially with the, the apathy that's sort of set in with a lot of fans. Um, but I think uh, what fans want to know is they want just, they, they, they almost want to be in the loop of what's happening with their team. There, there were a lot of fans that complained to, to the Jaguars front office that you should not be selling away team merchandise inside the stadium. Number one, who's going to buy away team merchandise it, inside the stadium itself? If you're an away fan, you're likely already coming dressed in your gear. And if you need something, there's plenty of vendors outside the stadium that are selling both the home team and away team gear. So why would you wait until you got inside the stadium to buy overpriced merchandise? That's what I don't get. It seems to me that the, the, the perception of selling it inside your stadium is not enough to make up for the, the 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 bad perception that you're getting from your hometown fans. So to me, it doesn't really make sense money wise. But then I'm also there's been other circumstances too where say in 2015, this is a great example. The the Carolina Panthers were coming to Jacksonville. It was the home opener for the team. This is 2015, so just last year, and the the Panthers worked out with a ticket rep. That they bought up, we have two pool cabanas. So it, for, for those who have never been to Everbank or don't really know the layout of the land, in the cabana area, there are two pools. And you can get into the area where the pools are for free, as long as you have a game ticket. Then there are the cabana areas where there's like tables and chairs and, um, uh, like VIP type service. And that's a ticket. And you have to have a, a separate ticket for that. And then if you want to get in the pool, you have to have another ticket for that. So you have to have all of these different parameters set up in place to actually get into the pool. So you almost you have to have two different tickets in order to get into the pools themselves. And so what the Carolina Panthers fan base did, and I mean kudos to them that they I mean the Bolt City Brigade with the Jaguars have done the same thing with Tampa and the Bucks and any other away team that they've ever um or any away game that they've ever organized is that they work with these private ticket reps that work for the teams. And what happened in with Carolina in particular, is that the Carolina Panthers fan group, I think it's the, the rowdy something, the, I don't know, rowdy something, but they worked with a ticket broker and got one of the pool cabanas. And then when that was sold out, then they were offered up the other pool cabana. And that's where a lot of fans, especially me, like that's, that's been the thing that's pissed me off the most is that to me, if you are catering to an away fan base in that regard, at least give your home fans the chance 
to, to buy up those tickets. I can't think, I, I can, I can name off a handful of businesses right now that local businesses that if they knew that both of those cabanas were in threat of being sold to an away team fan base, I guarantee a local business would have hopped in and scooped in those, t- uh, scooped up those tickets and then offered them to locals in Jacksonville and not to an away fan base. Now, it, it didn't look so bad on TV because Carolina's colors are somewhat similar to the Jaguars. But if that were, the say, the Steelers or the Broncos, if that were any other fan base and they were, and, and, and it was a, a, a sea of orange and or a sea of yellow in those Jaguar pools, like that to me is is... It's so maddening. I would lose my shit if I saw that. That's It's just you're not giving your home fans the chance. And a lot of people would say, well, why don't the home fans buy them up? A lot of the times when these ticket reps go or the when these tickets go on sale, a lot of the fans already have season tickets, number one. Number two, a lot more of the other fans just know they're going to be able to be just pick up a ticket ahead of time. If they know, and I think if you give the fans a chance to know that this that these tickets are available, that they're in danger of being sold to away fans, I think that that's when other casual fans would step up, or other businesses that would step up and 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 seize that from an away team. And I just think that that's sort of a a, a brilliant marketing opportunity that. NFL teams are missing out on and I'm not saying that I haven't benefited from this because I bought tickets for for a Bucks game for a Bucks Jaguars game that were dealt with in, in in similar fashion where a Bucks ticket rep sold a group a block of seats off to the the Bolt City Brigade with the and and all the Jaguar fans that were going down and it was an awesome viewing experience because we all got to sit together but in the same regard the Tampa Bay Bucks fans had no idea that these seats were even available for sale. So to me, if I'm a Bucks fan, I'm furious with my team that number one, you didn't offer up those seats to us first. You only want to offer those up for, for season ticket holders who want to commit to an entire season. But if it's a one game thing and you're already offering them up to an away team fan base, to me that's a slap in the face of all of the monetary value and the emotional support that I've given to a franchise for years to only just be, it's almost like when you, when you're on a cell phone plan and you want the the deal that the newcomer is getting, it's like, no, I've been a loyal customer of yours for years and you're going to give somebody else, a competitor or a new person, you're going to give them a better deal than me. Like that's, that's just, to, to me, it's, it's bad business. But, I mean, what do I know? The, the Jaguars still manage to, to, to sell a lot of tickets on the business side of things. They, I, I would say that they are making strides across the NFL as far as that's concerned with the, and, and, and the experiences that they offer to any kind of fan that comes in. And it's not just Jaguar games. It's all the special events that go on at Everbank, too. So they're making these concessions. They're making these... Um, I guess you could say attractions, and they're making it appealing to a fan bases from all over, which I get and which I respect. But at the same time, like you still have to 
allow your fans to have that home field advantage or even a perceived home field advantage. So in my opinion, if in my NFL, if I'm the, the, the czar of NFL is concerned, then that's what I'm doing as far as appealing to away team fan bases is that I'm taking a section in the lower bowl. I'm taking a section in the higher bowl. I'm saying away team fans, these are your sections. This is where you can purchase from. You're not allowed to wear away team gear in any other part of the stadium and this is where you're going to sit and if you don't like it then tough shit otherwise the rest of the stadium has to feel like a home field advantage because there were points in that game yesterday especially towards the end the Broncos were only up by a touchdown and you could hear the Bronco fans especially when the Jaguars were on offense and it was ridiculously loud and what does that say to your players that are on the field that have already complained about fan enthusiasm is that what do you say to those same players when your front office or when the business side of things is appealing to away fans you're not even giving your fans that are showing up you know after a 14 and 46 record over the past four years you're not even giving them a chance to to support the team that still is at two and ten and on the verge of another eight game losing streak so it's just it's a lot of stress right now especially with this team and 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 how the the Jaguars plan to to market both the on the field product and the attractions I guess I, I should say and I'm I'm okay with it as much as I, I guess a fan can be with appealing to away fans I just think it needs to be in more of a controlled environment a controlled setting rather than just letting a sea of orange just invade your stadium and and and, and just treating each fan as if they're a paying cut which they are a paying customer but you still have to value your home field advantage and your diehard crowd because those are going to be the 45,000 people that are going to show up to every game you would hope so anyways but if you're trying to appeal to this casual fan market, even this away team market, the way to get them in there is a controlled environment and not necessarily um, and it's not necessarily a allowing them just free reign throughout your entire stadium because you know what that turns fans like me off that makes me just want to watch at home because why would I want to invest my entire day down at Everbank Field if I know that I'm going to be surrounded by away fans it makes zero sense whatsoever so that that's my opening story that's my opening rant if I'm the czar of the NFL things would be a lot better under the reign of Blythe